Hey, oh, hang on a minute. I'm getting the door. Hey, man. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you too, John. Yeah, Kevin. I, uh, I, I, I'm really sorry I haven't gotten back to you lately. I, uh, hey, I, I, I know. I'm sure you've been busy. You know, some sort of, you know, dating scene or at your job or some. Ooh, what is this? Uh, new? Is this a scratching post? What is this? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I don't have time for dating. I, I mean, I'm, I'm raised, I'm raising this cat all by myself. You know. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, his name's Garfield. I I thought cats were kind of more independent creatures. Oh no, not this one. He's he's really special. Like he's uh he's scratching at a third grade level. Is is he supposed to be eating your shoes? Uh he he kind of does whatever he wants. Like I I'm teaching him for it's the Montessori school of training uh training your house pets. Mhm. I I let him roam around and and learn through his environment naturally. I think that's much better for his development. I'm I'm not so sure, man. I'm I'm pretty sure cats are supposed to be just kind of independent and on their own. I don't I don't think you really need to be putting this much oh. intensity into it. Yeah, but you know, like I I've seen like bobcats outside, and they're you know they're they're just so they're just so aggressive. I'm actually gonna make uh, Garfield take litter boxing classes to be able to defend himself. You know, like when he's in the backyard or I don't know, John. This this is uh, this seems a little unhealthy. You really shouldn't be treating this this cat kind of like it's your child. Well, I'm, I mean, he's not like. He's not like I didn't like give birth to him, but I mean he's like, I mean I, I'm I'm his parent, like certainly, uh, like I'm his father, mm, you know. John, maybe maybe it's time that you let Garfield go to that farm upstate, you know, the one where we put your other pets. Do you really think that would be for the best? I mean, I'm all he has. I I think he'd be better off on the farm. I'll how about this? I'll I'll get you a dog. Oh, like like maybe. He's like a little bit cowardly and you know cranky in the morning, and he. Um... John, <sighs> come on, Garfield. We're going to the farm. Ladies and gentlemen, Garfield and friends. We're we're ready, ready to, to party. We're ready to party. We're ready. Yeah. I hope you bring lots of spaghetti. Come on in, come to the place where fun never ends. Come on in, it's fun, 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 you you somehow made it darker than the Garfield without Garfield darkness. It, I don't even think that is possible. I don't know if you <laughs> went back and read any of them. Uh, a couple. Garfield minus Garfield. That's right. GMG. Yeah, it's they're man they're man they're good man they're better than everything else in the <laughs> Garfield verse. But uh, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty good. We can probably go into it. If you yeah. Want. Uh, well, let's let's start. Uh, let's talk about who we are and what we do. Yeah. Hey everybody, uh, my name's Ben. And I am Zane. Welcome back to the Cast, where we, we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. Yep, this is the Cast minus the Cast. <laughs> just Where we've got pies of all sizes. Just static. There's <laughs> static nothing shock? going on here. Yeah, that's right. Great. <laughs> my favorite character from this. He, yeah. He's lumped in with the and friends. Let's talk about static. So he's a young man. We got Virgil Hawkins. <laughs> I believe he's related to uh, that cyborg in Treasure Planet somehow. Uh, no, Zane, but... it's slipping through my fingers. <laughs> pull it back. Pull it back. We we just started this. Okay. Whew. All right. So, uh, yeah, we are we are going to talk today to you about <laughs> Garfield and friends. That's right. Um... Zane, a, why don't you tell us what spawned this show? You know, it's an interesting show. So, Garfield and Friends is based off of the Garfield comic strip, and I, I really don't think I needed to tell anybody that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting is that the Friends part of Garfield and Friends was based off of another comic yeah, strip by Jim this. Davis. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so Jim Davis made Garfield in uh, 1978. Yeah, uh, and he had a much less well-known one, U.S. Acres. So. That's, I didn't know that. That's an interesting, uh, I'm sure one, the one made the other more popular. 
maybe. I mean, considering this is the only time I've heard about U.S. Acres, that's not. Yeah. That's probably. You know, it, it probably didn't get that much popularity. Yeah, but, but yeah. Gar- Garfield is is a kind of a worldwide phenomenon. It's uh, it's the most widely syndicated comic strip worldwide, and I, it was designed yeah. to be like marketable and appealing to everyone, which might be a reason why it's kind of kind of bland. All right. Well, uh, Davis uh, started off by pitching a comic strip that was more focused on John Arbuckle, um, <laughs> his owner, which in this really strange full circle or Boris way um, has become the more interesting facet of the Garfield comics, <laughs> which we will not stop talking about ever beyond this episode, even, um, but yeah, it's uh, Garfield has become pretty much it, it. He is like just the comic book character. This is at a time when the, the comic strips that were doing the best kind of focused on dog cartoons um, so he said, logically, let's put a cat in there, see if people pick up what I'm putting down. And they were all like, yeah, it's okay. Just focus more on that cat. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah. Oh, cat's got charisma somehow. Yeah, he's a cool cat. He's like the Fonz. <laughs> he's, he, he's on the edge. Overweight, middle-aged, <laughs> hairy man who slept in a box. He's not afraid to tell us he hates Mondays. <laughs> um, and so Garfield and Friends... Uh, Garfield, um, the, the show itself ran for uh, eight seasons, I think, from like it, 1988 it to 94. Lot. Yeah, it was at least seven. I'm I'm amazed it lasted that long. Yeah, and you know, it actually got canceled uh, not because it was doing poorly, but simply because they had to cut budget. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. It was still doing pretty well, uh, even even right before its cancellation. But there yeah. there there have been other you know, animated Garfield adaptations. Um, there's actually a really horrifying CGI sequel from France. It's called The Garfield Show. Uh, I think I might have actually seen this at one point. Ran, Yeah, it ran on the Cartoon Network recently, I think. It looked awful. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. I couldn't stare at it for too long. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite thing that Garfield... Uh, that came from Garfield is probably that image of him like she looking over devilishly looking over his shoulder while like whizzing in the corner that isn't that's Calvin I think. <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> and uh it's actually wasn't even all what? Calvin and Hobbes merchandise to my knowledge was not it's off-brand like right. it's not Watterson d- did not approve of any merchandising of Calvin and Hobbes let's talk about Calvin and Hobbes for a little bit let's talk about Calvin and Hobbes the entire time <laughs> It's, it's um, interesting because these are really two kind of opposite approaches to the comic thing. Like, so many cartoonists want to just, you know, I want to make it big and and let and show this to everybody and have everybody has their own, you know, plushy, you know, cat character to hug and whatever. And mm-hmm. and Watterson said, you know what, I um I'm not gonna do a ton of merch on this. This is kind of my thing, and I want full creative control over it. And Jim mm-hmm. Davis is like, I like money. <laughs> give me all the money <laughs> um I, it, was he actually like that i didn't like i didn't read too much into his history just because i didn't want to like uh demonize i feel like you have to have some level of like business acumen to become the most marketed comic strip maybe i mean uh you can owe it, part of it, it hard to believe that he was like oh you know i i made this and i wanted to entertain the children and then uh, you know, I said to the businessman... You Next know, thing if, I knew, if, I woke up in a pile of diamonds. If you can make this big that, and reach the children of the world, that like, I do not think that happened. <laughs> no, he, he he probably was pretty market savvy about it. That can sort of happen nowadays with, like, YouTubing. Uh, just just tubing. Um, <laughs> when, uh, you know, like, if, if, if an internet show gets a really good episode or gets, like, featured in a different episode, like, it can go viral, right? Mm-hmm. Someone yeah. can get popularity literally overnight. Doesn't really work that way, uh, pre-internet, right? Uh, so you're you're totally right. And the reason that Garfield is so popular is part of its broad appeal. Like this is in an era when cartoons, comic strips, kind of had to be sophisticated, have like a social or political commentary. And then along comes this really relatable, down-to-earth, well, not John, but <laughs> cat, who kind of out actively hates the world around him that just kind of mm, people love watching this grouse yeah he's the everyman he's the everyman who doesn't want to do any man 
any yeah. of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So shall we talk about the the show itself? I I and we can sprinkle in little bits of Garfield trivia. I think everybody Let's knows. Let's just sprinkle little bits of Garfield. In. <laughs> everybody knows Garfield. Yeah, because uh, we've ground him up. The uh, the thing I want to preface this with though is that uh, th- a lot of what we're going to talk about, I think, is that. Because this is this is sort of a new jump over from a different media than we've done so far. Mm-hmm. The the most uh, relatable thing I can think of is Life with Louie, uh-huh. in which we took a stand up comedy and you know metamorphosed it into a cartoon. Now we're taking a comic strip and metamorphosing it in a, into a cartoon. So as well as a lot of parallels between those two circumstances, I think a lot of this is going to be, was this adapted well, and what did we get out of it? And we we, we have seen comic adaptations before. It's just, uh, like, Men in Black, it took an intermediary through movies. Yeah, um, and but that's that's really paced very differently. It is, it is. Um, but, you know, you think about, you know, Batman. Like, a lot of, a lot of concepts got their start in comics, or at least they hit their stride. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a much, like, lower buy-in. Yeah. You know? It's like, I feel like it might be like a way to test the waters. Like, do the public like this idea well enough to read a comic on it? Then maybe I'll sink some money into it if it does really well. It's interesting that, like, you know, a lot of people want to, you know, pursue a creative vision or get their message across. There's not really a message in Garfield. Like, the, that broad appeal that you mentioned. <laughs> not at this point. <laughs> it's It's based on, like, not offending anybody. So that you can have the Pretty most much. possible appeal, and that's it's it comes off bland. I think yeah. this show in particular can be pretty witty, but on the whole, this is some Gaffigan ass Gaffigan right here. <laughs> like it, it's just not offending. Like I actually really liked Louis Anderson because his comedy was all about families loving each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> like really wholesome stuff. Jim Gaffigan is more like, and I do love his comedy, but it's jeez, empty calories. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's sort of what Garfield is, but it's just, you don't have to think too hard when you're looking at him. You're just like, yeah, cats are grumpy. I get it. And 20 years down the line, we see that people still enjoy cats being grumpy. <laughs> yeah. I don't get what it is. Um, so why don't you tell us about the, the, the premise of this show? I'll I'll fucking try, man. <laughs> uh, I actually have written down good question. <laughs> so I actually don't know what the premise is. It's pretty much we're watching. We're watching. I, I thought of it as like we're sort of watching this optimistic guy try to impose his optimistic viewpoint on somebody who's just having none of it. Like John is always trying to be a good guy, be moral, help out the little man, etc. And Garfield is just making fun of him the whole time. Oh, okay. It's like the odd couple, except one is a cat. A little bit, yeah. Uh, there's really not anything more to it. Mm-hmm. It's it's just very it's very slice of life, but weirdly centered on this non-talking, non-interacting character. See, I I didn't see. Maybe it's just the episodes I watched. I didn't see a ton of the slice of life stuff. It seemed like there were a lot of adventures. Um, you know. Garfield is abducted by, by aliens, or he falls asleep and wakes up in another cartoon. Like <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember those ones. <laughs> but my sense was like he goes on all these exciting, magical adventures, and he's just really unhappy about it. Oh, that's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> like all he wants to do, like yeah, that's like uh, inversion of like a power fantasy. Like yeah, he's given all these fantastic adventures. All he wants to do is eat and sleep. <laughs> right. Um... It's sort of Hamtaro in that way. <laughs> Yeah, so I think those are the two main um, plots in in his episodes. If you um, focus on John, the plot becomes very different. <laughs> but the <laughs> which the we show, will get into later. The show is actually segmented, and it's it's a really interesting format. So first we have you know a scene, you, you know an episode with Garfield, and then we have an episode of the U.S. Acres based one, and then we have another episode of Garfield, and there can be these little short like forty five second things called quickies in there yeah which are basically just like comic strips yeah it's four panels long like it's very obvious that this is just four panels (laughs) Um, you'll see what we mean if you go and watch one and so it jumps out at you i kind of got a bit of a um tiny tune adventures vibe in that in the way that the episodes were paced like that but Mm. it 
a lot of it kind of felt like it was going too long. Like it's it's also just like not cohesive because no. with Tiny Toon Adventures, if you have a different aspect of Acme Acres, you're still in Acme Acres. It still reflects on every bit builds other parts of it up. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're still building the same structure with U.S. Acres. They they it says Garfield and Friends. There's no indication that Garfield is friends or even has knowledge of any of these other characters um, in his other comic strip. They show up in each other's, you know, cartoon occasionally. Yeah, but, like, that's They're all. Like, hey, guys, you're in the wrong cartoon. How wacky. Yeah, it's it's all fourth wall stuff. Like, they don't canonically Oh, there's a ton of fourth. Other. There's a lot of fourth wall stuff and uh, non sequiturs, like. It's, so it's not really Garfield and Friends, though. Yeah. It's, it's more just, like, jim davis's hay fever <laughs> like more than anything else they, they just had to put garfield in it because like he's the popular character like kind of like you always have to put wolverine in the title or yeah. something it's, it's you know it's not garfield and friends it's garfield and, and wolverine and others <laughs> yeah, yeah. And wolverine. <laughs> fan art of garfield with those adamantium claws <laughs> let's have it bub <laughs> It's not Garfield Give and me friends. some lasagna, it's, Bob. It's Garfield, etc. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Garfield, ellipses. <laughs> At all. <laughs> Garfield and Seven. Uh, um, published by Garfield et al. Studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, it, it's very clear that... Um, no, you know what? I didn't have anything. It is very clear, though. <laughs> is it? Yeah, no, it's very shallow, like, humor and plot. So maybe we should just, like, rather than try to build it up from, like, a bird's eye view, let's actually just talk about the characters. Yeah. So uh, Garfield is voiced by Lorenzo Music. Great name. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> how How is this the first name like that that we've encountered? Uh, and Lorenzo uh, Music. I would, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, please call him Mr. Music. <laughs> Mr. Music uh, voiced <laughs> Tummy Gummy in Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears. That's not true. Keep going. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to listen to anything about whatever the hell you just said. I have thought about suggesting it many times out of spite. Oh God, um, I hate you. <laughs> and he also voiced um, Venkman in the real Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Bill Murray, who played Venkman in the original Ghostbusters, provided the voice for Garfield, for Garfield. in the animated yeah. movies. <laughs> <laughs> really, really strange. It's like Freaky Friday in the worst. <laughs> most uninteresting way <laughs> you say that mr music voices garfield and that requires some explanation because <laughs> garfield's mouth does not move when he talks because it turns out he's not actually talking <laughs> i really like mr music's voice though it, it's, it's a good. nice voice it the the mouth thing is weird because what's weird is that it makes it, his tr- interactions with john very troubling <laughs> well not even that most characters do use their mouths mm. But yeah, but some, everyone in U.S. Acres. But some don't. Like Nermal or another cat comes on there, and they're also not using their mouth. And it's I wonder unnerving. if it's just hard to animate anthropomorphic cat mouths. It's it can't be that. Yeah, it seems like too. It seems too easy. I think maybe the image of Garfield grousing is just too iconic. Mm. Oh, was I making a pun with grouse because it's kind of bird and cats eat birds? Is that what a grouse is? Maybe. Um, did you <laughs> read the the casting story for this? No, why don't you tell me it? Uh, apparently, when they were casting for the voice of Garfield, uh, Jim Davis, who created Garfield, looked at a uh, a room full of voice actors and picked Lorenzo, who was... Oh, sorry, okay. Mr. Music. Thank you. Who happened to just be sitting quietly in the corner licking himself. What? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Music, you're my new idol. <laughs> He's just sitting there licking himself. I haven't had a role model in a while, but... But damn. <laughs> You're not voice actors. Look at this. He has feelings. Hired. He, he knows what a cat does. <laughs> that is really bizarre and unsettling in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, you know, the success of the show speaks for itself though. Like this is a good this is a good Garfield voice. Mhm. I listened to, like, the first season, and it was, like, a different voice, and I found it unlistenable. Really? I was just too used to Mr. Music. Yeah. I think it was a different voice at first. Uh, I'm not sure. I definitely remember a different voice, and it, it set me on edge. Maybe he was just hitting his stride. 
Yeah. Um, well, anyway, the, the way Lorenzo, excuse me, Mr. Music portrays Garfield is as, like, a sardonic, sassy audience member in <laughs> whatever cast is in Mr. Arbuckle's house. Like, the rest of the characters are just doing stand-up, and he's just the guy throwing tomatoes all night? It feels like that. Boo. It feels like he's, like, um, Statler and Waldorf a little bit. A little like, the bit. show is going on, and then he's just kind of M. TK3 ing his ass all over the place. Well, he also sometimes takes an active role in being a terrible person. It's pretty rare, though. He's just a complete jerk. He just is. I, I, I'm actually feeling pretty comfortable with this MST3K analogy now. He just kind of comments on the shitty things that, like, the idiotic things that people are doing as they're doing them. So do you think he's not actually talking then? Like, he, this is just his monologue and this it, his He is monologuing. It's canon. Oh, okay. He's not actually talking. Like, whenever John talks to him, he doesn't get an answer. Okay, that, I mean, you don't really <laughs> notice that, though, like, no, watching it, it, it. No, and, you know, I wonder how it would read if you, like, deliberately muted out all of Garfield's dialogue just so that John was John was talking. <laughs> and it makes his interactings, in, interactions with Garfield very troubling because it's clear that John is trying to, like, uh, is is trying to teach manners and ethics to this cat whom is giving him no feedback as to the fact <laughs> that Garfield is like a sentient being. Without the okay, so the fact that his mouth doesn't move, if you don't hear him talking, he's kind of just like a lead weight. He's just like sitting there. He's yeah, he's by far the most uh sedentary object in the show. He's including like, inanimate objects. He's lazy. He's always hungry. Like, is he, does he have all seven deadly sins? He's he's pretty bad, and I think that I'm not certain exactly what his role is and who... Are we supposed to root for either him or John? No. They they both seem like they're too far on either extreme to really relate to. Mm. Like, John is way too wholesome and bland to be the protagonist. And so I found that I actually wanted to root for Garfield because he was the teen with attitude. Yeah, he was more interesting. He was more interesting, and he was funnier. He gets all the good lines. He's surprisingly witty. Yeah. Uh, another thing with like uh the you know life with Louie, it's it's the character he kind of like just says it under the breath. And although Jim Davis doesn't hear that in yeah. this one, yeah. That's uh, excuse right. me, I meant John Arbuckle. <laughs> uh, it's it's sort of a similar thing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he interacts with John, and John is played by uh Tom Huge. Miss, yeah, uh, Doctor Huge. <laughs> Doctor Huge. Wait, 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 no. We got Mister Music and the evil Doctor Huge. I guess that's probably pretty close. That's pretty good. <laughs> Mister Big. Um, <laughs> they call me Mister Big. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> no. That's like the funniest thing in King of the Hill because it's just playing on a uh, uh, what's his face's in insanity the entire time. Rusty Shackelford. Whose name right. I can't, real name I can't remember right now. That can't be your Dale. <laughs> Dale. No, okay. Rusty Shackelford is his alias. <laughs> That's a great name. Zane, if you haven't watched King of the Hill, watch a lot of it. I've I've watched a lot of it. I just haven't watched all of it and remember it all. <laughs> oh, that well, that's because you haven't watched a lot of it in the way that I mean a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> um, anyway, back and, to Doctor Evil Doctor Huge. Yeah. So John is like you said, just it's. The just biggest, Jim Davis. The biggest pushover. This combination of overbearing, protective, like, dad figure, and also just... He's, he's a weird character. He's super happy and then crushingly depressive. He's like Doug's uncle or something. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I, you, you said he was kind of like Jim Davis? What do you mean by that? Well, he his his profession in the show is a he is a cartoonist. I wonder what he did. Yeah. I mean, aside from embarrass himself and date unattractive women. Um, yeah, he he's a cartoonist to the point at which I think that it might have been a little bit of an author avatar. Hmm. Like Jim Davis just kind of stuck himself in there a little bit. I don't know how accurate that is, but it is uh, it is certainly expressive of many deep-seated uh, neuroses, if that, that is ex- the case. That would explain why Davis was so excited to see Mr. Music licking himself. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, oh, such a good cat! I'm gonna take good the care. The boundary, the boundary between person and animal thins more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just a bundle of neuroses and problems. I really like him, actually. <laughs> really, I think yeah, he's so clearly flawed within his own setting. It's 
like they were trying to make Garfield seem like the unreasonable one and just fucking failed. <laughs> like they like they 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 made the reasonable foil uh so wholesome and sickeningly righteous and excited about mundane stuff that it's just they went too far over that on Candy Valley and no one in the cat and no one in the audience can relate to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very amusing like the degree to which he is the degree to which he is white bread. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah, this is Doug when he grows up. Mhm. Yeah, he's still got the high high level of ethics, but at this point, so okay. I'd like to analyze John in his own. <laughs> Please stay with me for the entire thing. I don't have a choice. No, <laughs> you are a captive audience, much in the way that Garfield is a captive audience for John. Let me explain that. So, when John was growing up as Doug, um, he maintained his innocence, his uh, naive innocence, and all of his idealism. And in his interactions with other people, they started maturing. You know, Skeeter got a mohawk, whatever. And uh, John was uh, was was unable was unable to kind of temper himself into a reasonable human being what he did was he kept the idealism but every time he showcases it he gets talked down because that shit's not cool once you reach middle school <laughs> it's just like it's like no one thinks like that anymore right He's such a bonehead um so what does john do he withdraws into himself he doesn't interact with almost anybody except people who are directly family <laughs> or women he has no chance with <laughs> and, and his cat Yes, but he is so he he needs so strongly to impart these virtuous ideals on someone else, but he can't reasonably defend himself in any ideological battle with a reasonable person because he knows he's wrong. So what does he do? He gets an opponent who cannot talk back. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gives he gets a cat so he can cons consistently give that ethical battle, but without the fear of rejection. Your serve. How long does it take you to come up with these overarching, like... It just pours out of me. Madness. <laughs> it just pours out of me. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, but go ahead and try to argue against it. See, I'm still on the whole, like, yeah, Garfield likes, la likes lasagna. That's cool. <laughs> I like lasagna, too. <laughs> well, it one and the same. <laughs> um... <laughs> How, I don't know. Yeah. Do you feel good about any of that? I could definitely see all of that. Like, it's the only reason why he would try to teach Garfield a motherfucking cat any morals at all. Right. Like, trying to litter box train him, fine. But he, like, talks to him like, don't you see the value of being honest? <laughs> like, he'll <laughs> say that stuff all the time. He's like, like, talking to a cat. No, honesty is why you're such a loser. <laughs> yeah, like, to his face. <laughs> <laughs> he can't hear it. Nope. He doesn't have a uh, Hamtaro-style telepathy. If I couldn't count on you for lasagna, I'd be out of here, too. <laughs> Was that Farmer John? <laughs> um, yeah, yep. I can't do this voice. It's too No, musical. neither can I. It's very good. Mr. Music is a singular soul. Anyway, what else do you have to say about John? Because that's all I could do. <laughs> I am spent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have anything else on him. Now... There are other forms of media which reflect quite strongly upon him in other ways, but I think we should save that for the end. We shall. Um, there's also his dog, Odie, mm -hmm. uh, voiced by Greg Berger, or Berger, um, who was the Gromble, and, oh, a interesting. and Agent K. Yep. Weirdest parts in everything. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Imagine John talking to Odie in the way he talks to Garfield. Yeah, why is... He why is that a different relationship? It's really strange. <laughs> that's that's kind of the main thing, because Odie is primed and ready to receive this optimism, and John just kind of ignores him for the most part. Well, I mean, Odie doesn't really mind. Like, like consider every other animal in the Garfield-verse, including U.S. Acres. Mm -hmm. um, Odie's the only one who doesn't talk. <laughs> well, he's not... He's a... Ben, he's a dog. I'm pretty sure he's got a learning disability. Oh. <laughs> Bend up, can't talk. Uh, I, no, you're missing my... Never mind. 
I, I think we can leave it at Oni. Can I talk. think we can leave it at Odie has a learning disability. <laughs> okay. Great. Uh, I don't, did you have anything else to say about him? Uh, no. He's just cute. I like There's him. also Newman. Normal. Whatever. <laughs> Same thing. Normal. I love it when Seinfeld ships Newman to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> it's the best joke. <laughs> Why Abu Dhabi, by the way? Sounds funny. It must be. Like, I think a lot of this show's humor comes from just like, yeah, it sounds funny. Y- you know how, like, you used to put a third world country in, like, jokes because it sounded funny and then 20 years later they are like a hotbed of strife and suffering and you're like oh man those all sound really really gross in retrospect <laughs> is, is this a common occurrence for you <laughs> does, does that not happen to you <laughs> no <laughs> all right well i only reference uh, azerbaijan uh we're aladdin fajavar we need to refocus <laughs> uh refocus draw a card um okay um, should we talk about like the tone of the show or should we talk about the characters in the other feature i i wouldn't mind talking about them overall um with one word uh i hate these characters <laughs> <laughs> i like wade um most Wade's okay most of them are voiced by frank welker um, zane noted can you describe feature. the appearance of orson orson's a pig can you describe the appearance of what's his face roy oh, roy is a rooster i think you now understand my problem with all these characters because <laughs> like the jokes are kind of this of a similar caliber as garfield and friends which are uh generously hit or miss right right am i wrong in that i mean they're a lot less smart than Gar- like garfield has better witty sarcastic lines and these guys are kind of more i don't know the- i wouldn't say overall i kind of got a um you know, Winnie the Pooh vibe. Like, everybody's got their oh, own yeah. kind of, you know, John. Oh, yeah, everyone is, like, in the, uh, what's that manual again? DSM. The DSM, yeah. Yeah, well, like, John Arbuckle has all of the mental problems, and each of these is one of them. Yeah. Like you said, he's a cartoonist. Yeah, like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking that it, it, like, John just had all of these animals as pets beforehand and <laughs> was, just imprinted these neuroses on each one. Like, he's, like, absolving himself of his neurotic tendencies one at a time yeah. at the cost of all these cute little animals. And, you know, they have pretty basic adventures. Um, it's, it's interesting that the show that has more characters has a, smaller range of interesting plot lines yeah well i mean they're on a farm yeah what, what do you do on a farm you hang out yep you play pranks on each other try to screw the farmer's daughter i guess um i do that's what i would do <laughs> <laughs> there's no farmer there's orson hey i'm i'm over here <laughs> uh yeah there there's orson he's He's kind of also John. Yeah. Like, they, didn't do, they didn't do a ton of work to distinguish these no. two plot. Like, Jim Davis has one trick. He's got one trick, and, like, it was phrased in the right way with Garfield. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of all he had to say. Like, I don't want to be mean to Davis, but it's just, like, these these characters just kind of suck. Like, yeah. And my main problem with them is that they don't, they, they're exactly the same thing as Garfield, but they don't look good. Yeah. They like and, Like you said, that one's a pig. That one's a rooster. They have a, you know, deadly sin of some sort. And that's all. That's that's all of their personality and and uh, tweaking to that formula. They don't look good. It's a good example of, like, bad modeling just overwhelming everything else in an animation. Because the Garfield segments, I kind of dig. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. The the intro theme, the the newer one. So this this show had two intro oh, themes. Oh man, I really hope you're gonna use the newer one. Uh, I am. Okay, yeah, the great. the older one has this weird, like like vaudeville. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Once they figured out, like, oh, just keep on saying Garfield and friends, like, yeah, way faster, better. faster. Don't give people a chance to think about the fact that Garfield's boring as hell. But what they do is, um, in the in the newer one, they alternate between scenes of the two shows. Mm-hmm. So they like say the same word like disguises, disguises, surprises, surprise. Like it yeah. alludes to the fact that they're very similar. It's just shows. the same show. Like you're gonna see the same kind of jokes in both. Mm-hmm. The only character that I do want to talk about in um, the U.S. Acres is Wade. 
Oh yeah. Because um, yes. Because you know how all the other characters are like okay, Orson's a pig, Roy is a rooster. <laughs> Wade Wade is a duck, but he's wearing an inner tube. Yeah, I like I like him actually. <laughs> and the inner tube has a duck coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah, Just a little like, bit of duckception. Like the duck is the same color as him. And it's coming out the front, and it's mm-hmm. at waist level. Yeah, it's like that guy who carries around a portrait of himself. You know, <laughs> no, guy. it's like that guy who's a flasher. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but his dick is also his face. <laughs> oh my god! It copies was, his. Was this the reason you wanted to talk about Wade? <laughs> I just don't understand what that's like. It's never mentioned. You know what I do want to see is uh. Wade kind of going on this journey of discovery to become less of a coward and being taken under Darkwing Duck's wing. My approximation of it is just that the U.S. Acres has mainly the same formula, but a worse setting for setting up plots and way dumber character designs. Yeah, it even looks grosser. You know, I was trying to figure out what exactly about Garfield looks good that doesn't look good about, like, Orson or something like that. What is it? And I think it's the half-closed eyelids. Mm. I think that's really what sells Garfield to me. It does a lot for him. Yeah, it's very personalizing. He's like, okay, show, you're here to entertain me. Impress me. If you me. don't, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> yeah. I'm halfway and then there. then you'll focus on that. <laughs> is he entertained? Nay. <laughs> so uh, let's go into the tone and genre of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we said, there's a lot of uh, breaking the fourth wall, non sequiturs, running gags. Like, yeah, but it's wacky. Here's the thing: try to think about that from. Uh, let, let's contrast with the comic strip. Those were much more grounded and character-driven cartoons because you only had four panels. Mm-hmm. If you like start off with like zany, like he got kidnapped by alien stuff, you're gonna get like this weird Dadaist comic that just doesn't make any sense and <laughs> you really can't put in a newspaper. So yeah. this is all pretty experimental for these characters to be it just ma- thrown into this new setting. It made a good transition um from comic strip to cartoon. Um and a lot yeah, of that eight seasons. A-, a lot of the difference in style is attributed to the chief writer, uh Mark Evanier. I I saw that he basically wrote every episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like so, all of them. <laughs> you know, Jim Davis. You should have had this guy doing this from the beginning. I don't know. Like Jim, Jim Davis can make pretty good, uh, pretty good cartoon like uh, comic strips. I don't know if you've ever read any Garfield. It's not bad. Um, it's not my favorite, but it's not yeah, bad. I haven't read a ton of it. Yeah, I I prefer. Uh, I mean, uh, let's just gush for a second. Favorite cartoonist: one, two, three, Watterson. Well, uh, uh... come on. I wasn't listening. <laughs> You're I, going fast. I know. I'm going too fast. I uh I I'm in love with everything Bill Watterson does. Jim Davis is a relatively new addition to my uh I don't know, Codex, Rolodex. Uh, I don't I don't mind him, but I kind of just don't care too much about his about his style. Yeah. I forgot what we were talking about. Uh the tone and genre. Yeah. So uh you you think it was a fairly successful transition? Um I would say so. Like you said it it lasted a while. It had both those slice of life, you know, make fun of John moments. It had those hey wacky we can do these sort of larger plot lines where Garfield, you know, does something cool and experimental that we couldn't have done otherwise. So clown I clown villain. I, Suck it. I thought they did some good stuff to, you know, liven it up. It was okay. I didn't mind it. It just uh it's it's not a it's not a plot line that I can really sink my teeth into. It reminded me a lot of um Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh yeah? Just a little bit like worse. I it's certainly worse. Like I like like can we both say like this is not a show that we really liked watching? Can we go ahead yeah, and just bury no, I, the pretense on that? Yeah, I was kind of done with it after a couple episodes. I remember you saying something about watching a lot of episodes and I'm like, "No, you're not." <laughs> You're not going to do that. Yeah, I, I like the Garfield segments okay, and I hate the U.S. Acres ones. I like some of the U.S. Acre ones. I don't know. I saw the jokes coming a lot in the Garfield ones. Oh, really? I mean, it wasn't really about the jokes so much as Garfield just, well, like, I saw the, I saw winking the to the coming. audience. Yeah, I saw the plots coming. Um, There were a few times when they kind of ran a joke into the ground. Oh, um, yeah, sure. You know, if if they're like, 
okay, so the episode is going to be, this happens to Garfield. Like, there's going to be 12 jokes about, about that. that. And yeah, that's kind of it. This might have been just like, uh, the, the characters are a little bit too shallow for a full-length cartoon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like, you you have a comic strip, you only really need to say the joke once, and in fact, you can only say the same joke once. Right. I, I'm wondering how much of that was just trying to fill time. I think maybe it's indicative that um, the show is meant for kind of a younger audience. Mm. Um, like, there are, there are some shows where, you know, if you come to it young, you'll enjoy it when you're older, and there are some shows <laughs> that... Get them hooked early. If you watch it as an adult, you say, yeah, I would have loved this as a kid. But then there's shows like this that you would enjoy it when you're a kid, and and that's kind of the only time when you would enjoy it. Uh-huh. Like, the styles that they do get old too fast. Like, there was this one episode where Garfield was like, it's a choose-your-own-adventure episode. And he, like, asked the audience what they should do. Ugh, so I'm and, already tired of that joke. Well, it was okay a couple times because it let them do things that they wouldn't normally be able to do. And it's like... All right, do you guys want to see John wearing his normal clothes, or do you want to see him uh, wearing a chicken suit? And so for the whole episode, he's just in a chicken suit, mm, and they like not, not don't bad. and they like don't mention it, but it gets old really fast. Like the yeah, style. the amount that they break the fourth, like the, it seemed like they didn't really know how to make the same realistic tone that they had in the comic strip, which wasn't that realistic, but it's more re- realistic than this. Mm-hmm. So they like were experimenting and just kind of settled on something that was a little bit too nuts. And, uh, you know, like, that's why you get the f- breaking the fourth wall all the time. There's one episode where Garfield, he, he basically is in the studio, and he's filming himself just, like, eating and then sleeping, and they're like, cut, you, you gotta you gotta do something more interesting. <laughs> and so he starts writing the, all these fantastic plot lines where he's, like, fighting pirates on the sea and getting abducted by aliens, but all of the all of the things that he comes up with, he ends up just eating and sleeping. Like, just very, very self-aware in a way that I just got kind of sick of seeing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I usually like sort of a self-aware genre. Like, Darkwing Duck does it very well, where he just, like, acknowledges... Well, he'll, he'll sometimes acknowledge the way that superhero dumb is kind of crazy. Same thing with the Tick. Garfield's almost... He, they're almost doing it a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I don't, I don't quite know what's not okay about it, yeah, but I know, I'm, I know viscerally that it isn't okay because I'm not enjoying it. Every time I think about it, I find it stranger and stranger that the show lasted for as long as it did. Right? Because it's not that good. <laughs> and it's not that it's not like each episode is very different from any other episode. No, no. Um, there, you can, you could. There, there are pretty much. Uh, I don't know, like Legos. Uh, Do you want to go to animation? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you feel like we can't really talk about the show's animation because it's just regular yeah, it's kind of it looks normal just like it did in the comic strip yeah it looks exactly the same how do you feel about the art stylings of jim davis not bad i i think garfield looks pretty good you know he actually started out much more realistically proportioned oh like my god actual I, cat it's like watching season one of the simpsons like you Oof. can't handle it Oof! it just looks like a cat and uh you know that Basically, every he eventually settled on this weird Catman duality, <laughs> um, and I thought that it might have been a little bit like Life with Louie, where you need that buffer from reality in order to accept the zaniness of the situation. Sure, just to put yourself in a, like a comedic, humorous mindset, you can't have everything be gloomy and and realistic. Right. Sort of what Burton does with his uh with his characters they look all they all look like monsters because <laughs> it's like better than them being like regularly really proportioned in yeah, just as serious it's, circumstance it's easier to relate to something that doesn't look realistic yeah you yeah exactly yeah because you're not that thing in real life yeah and also just realistic things bum me out <laughs> I oh guess. too then and you people like living in a fantasy then, you know then you should have really liked u.s acres because that looked like garbage <laughs> I can dislike reality and dislike garbage at the same time. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> no, um, I don't think I will. Like the the Garfield like backgrounds and stuff look pretty good, and they can be pretty detailed. U.S. Yeah, they... Acres look like it's out of a children's storybook, and it's like like it's been drawn on with colored pencils. You know, they all look like Hanna Barbera to me. Um, I I don't know about that. 
I, I think maybe they look okay. In, I think they do look like the same art style. It's just that the one setting is so much more boring. Yeah. Like, just the, the, the dynamic palette that you get in, like, a household of suburbia is going to be very different than what that you get on a farm. And uh, the transition from newspaper comic to zany cartoon, I think the models are kind of incongruous with the new pacing. Because the jokes kind of have to be a little bit faster and more sophisticated. And the bland character models are just... Are just you really have to you really have to push them to the breaking point and they just they just buckle under 20 minutes. Yeah, I agree. John should have been walking around with a pimp coat. Thank you. That's all Good I wanted. Point, ben. <laughs> well, I mean like you like you you admitted Wade is okay. Yeah, it's, little duck it's thing. different and it's interesting. Like Yeah. You have you have very limited space and um articulation points in a comic, so you have to be like okay, if this is going to be a rooster, it needs to look pretty close to a rooster or else the audience is going to be like what the hell is that yeah like think about the difference between roy and foghorn leghorn oh man one is so much better right you have foghorn leghorn he's not proportioned like a rooster like not even close <laughs> he is beautiful man i, I really like how he looks no he looks great he's got all the he's got all like the parts of a rooster but they're <laughs> configured in this crazy buck tud russell way <laughs> yes it's like the gross proportions give him character in a way that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't think that that would carry so much weight, but then you combine it with like the southerner accent, and it's just a home run. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, not to heap too much praise onto something that is preserved in amber. They're the same level of flawed. You can put them in either plot. Foghorn Leghorn is just like way more. Way more relatable because of that uh, divorce from a real rooster. And at the same time, I think, you know, if you put Foghorn Leghorn in, like, a, you know, daily comic strip, it wouldn't really work as well. I think I think the, the, the voice does too much. Voice and movement do a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he, could, I think he would work better than Roy in a comic strip. <laughs> just like imagine him imagine him like leaning on the side of a side of a barn with one hand while he's picking his teeth with like a toothpick with the other <laughs> doesn't that look good looks better than roy roy just looks like a rooster that's there to deliver punchlines. Mm. i don't know uh may, maybe maybe i am delving too far outside of my demographic <laughs> like maybe i shouldn't be criticizing cartoons and newspaper comic strips in the way that i'm doing but it's very apparent to me that these models are weak, and I wanted to make sure I got that point across. I think that's fair. I will stop talking about it now, however. Music and sound is pretty good. It's interesting. Like, it is good. It's, I think it's good. It's diverse in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the music will s- kind of switch out every few seconds to, like, they, a different to a different genre. They don't let you get taught. They don't let you, like get bored no like they'll they'll they pick up they they take you by the hand and lead you down whichever emotion they're trying to evoke and they don't always succeed but i'm glad (laughs) that they're making the effort (laughs) yeah like they use a ton of different musical genres but i don't think they know what they're for like what instrument would you use for an old west cattle wrangling scene something like that see they use electric guitar sick (laughs) (laughs) you know what and i don't even dislike that sometimes (laughs) it matched up funny in its own way sometimes it didn't and it's it moved it along and it fit the situation it's just like and it changed every few seconds it it was really weird i'm just glad it wasn't as blonde as blonde as bland as the characters yeah or as at least as the way they look uh they really do love remixing the theme song though yeah, well, it's a it's it's not a terrible theme song. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a bad one to remix, and they it seems to be customizable to different situations. Uh, are we talking about the old theme song or the new one? Uh, the new one. Because mm-hmm. in the older episodes, they also remix the uh the old one. Oh yeah. Yeah, I it's like, like boom, they're not that boom, dissimilar. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, maybe. Uh, I, I I would have to listen to them one after the other, and I didn't want to. I think the I think the genre of them is fairly similar, but yeah, I agree. The first one is real bad. Friends are there. To help you get started, to give you a push on your way. 
friends are there. Turn you around, get your feet on the ground for a brand new day. They'll pick you up when you're down. Help you swallow your pride when something inside's got to break on uh, the second one is way better. Uh, there is one thing I had to say about sounds, though. Yeah. Fart trombones. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to say more about it, but that's kind of all there is to say. <laughs> yeah, the the sound effects when you move and articulate is very much an effect. The whole, like, oh, he's sliding and he crashes into something. Whomp. Like, yeah. It's... Yeah, it's, it's staccato. It's slapstick. It's slapstick, yeah, that's exactly right. It, it might be, like, you know how they need, in comic strips, you have the four panels and then you're done with it. You have a very clear cue to when you're done with the joke. It's possible that they needed to punctuate the end of their jokes with something like that mm-hmm. to make, to give it the same, uh, to give it the same pacing. I don't know if that's true, but it, it helped Cousin Skeeter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, I just like fart trombones. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're very funny. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all we have to say about the actual show. Um, there were a couple of other, like, just little bits that I noticed. Okay, why don't you um, give it to us? Well, uh, whenever John goes by, like, the TV... It's mm-hmm. always selling, like, exactly what he needs. Like, so many of the plots are just like, John has a problem, probably with Garfield. And it's like, you should buy blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I should buy blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just funny because Jim Davis is the king of merchandising. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the way he treats salesmen in this show, the guy's always, like, some tweety, sweaty salesman. Oh, yeah, they're the worst. They're awful. <laughs> I, I think that the whole, you know, it just happens to be selling exactly what he needs is actually well set up by the rest of the tone being wackier. I agree. Like, it works. It's just, like, how many times are you going to use this plot line, guys? It's a weird, it's a weird marriage with the, with the creator of the show. <laughs> um, there's also, um, sometimes they do dangerous things. Um, mm. Something that, like, kids might imitate, and they always have a way of telling the kids, like, hey, don't do this at home. It's usually Garfield, Garfield, uh, just saying it, saying it sarcastically, <laughs> which might not be exactly what the show creators are doing. They're really trying to do. There was a funny sequence of these, uh, where like Garfield, like John's doing something, and it just cuts back to Garfield watching TV and telling the kids, like, yeah, don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, don't ask a guy to break a baseball bat across your face. Um, under like, what circumstances does that happen it happened and he's like don't sign a contract with a man who's dressed like that <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> but yeah, sometimes that, they like work it into songs or like that that's that's a little bit weird like that's a little I, bit post gi joe's sort of uh or like pre gi joe sort of fear i think it's telling given i i think it's telling of the age of the people who are supposed to be watching this show um, but that's about all I have for the for the show. It's, you know, you know now, now that you mentioned that they go to dangerous situations, I, I didn't bring this up beforehand, but Garfield says a real dark joke in the first episode. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, he gets awakened by a clown, slams the door in the clown's face after the clown does this really annoying song, and Garfield says, "People who sing like that should be dragged out into the street and shot." <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, didn't see that one coming. That is a little strong. The first episode of Garfield. And I'm shocked that that didn't prompt you to watch like 50 episodes. Yeah, they 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 never follow up on that murder plot. Unfortunately, it tapered off real quick. I know, <laughs> no climax to that. Anyway, yeah, we are almost done. <laughs> we we must talk about what we have been alluding to all this time. Been teasing it so that you guys wouldn't turn off the TV before the quickie section. Um, <laughs> they're called quickies. They're called quickies. So let us give you a real quickie. We wanted to do it. We're into it, man. Um, it's okay to ask for a. So, the, uh, so the, the final, <laughs> the final segment is uh, about a little comic called Garfield minus Garfield, which is brilliant. It's brilliant, and Jim Davis says it's brilliant, <laughs> and it works into your conception of how this show works as well and, and my conception of reality and cartoons in the <laughs> so 
let me categorize Garfield minus Garfield. This is basically the Garfield cartoon strips, the comic strips, cut up, re- recut, you know, photoshopped in such a way that Garfield and all the other characters are removed from the car- cartoon strips. And they end up with just John talking to himself and being sad. It's incredible. The website characterizes it as a journey deep into the mind of an isolated young everyman as he fights a losing battle against loneliness and depression in a quiet American suburb. There are there's great ones. Some of them follow the general theme of like first panel he says something that could be taken in a depressing way and then, and then he leaves nothing else. <laughs> and then he leaves or just says nothing else and yeah. just let it let it kind of stay in the air and just sometimes he's there sometimes there's like two panels of him just like standing and like staring and then in the third panel he just starts crying <laughs> I, I saw like one where he was like eating dinner and then he's like eating it and eating it and in the third panel he says life is good and he does like <laughs> this depressed look on his face <laughs> oh he's been through so much I, like it's it's really rough <laughs> yeah if you if you like watching people be sad yet depressed this is the strip for you yeah it, it's it's very like i'm i'm sort of overplaying its hand by saying that it's depressing it's played extremely funny mm-hmm. um if you haven't seen it give it a shot because it's probably the best thing to come out of garfield and <laughs> jim davis endorses it yeah what's that about i didn't know he's that. An, like he might be like a you know capitalistic bastard uh, i have no idea if he is but for for whatever caused him to be this successful he is an excellent sport yeah <laughs> like he he considers garfield minus garfield to be inspired and that some of the comics that garfield minus garfield does are better than the originals <laughs> I, I would say many of them i would say almost all of them i kind of want to see more um you know shows and comics and stuff with characters just absent. Yeah, it's very it's a very interesting take on it and it's specifically interesting to Garfield because it focuses so strongly on the least interesting character by virtue of they're the character that we can actually relate to. Right. And to shift the spotlight just unveils this totally different tone to the show. <laughs> it becomes entirely new in in a way that I feel like doesn't happen all that often. Like, if you have a protagonist and a deuteragonist, and I think I'm going to do this from now on, I'm probably going to, like, look and see, can the show stand up on its own just focusing on this person? And I think, uh, you know, maybe The Tick, some episodes of that really do that pretty well, mm-hmm. where they're just, although we normally focus on the louder character, the, the sub-character is so much more interesting just by just by how he relates to the society that he's drawn in. Yeah, I I think I just like seeing art taken away from the creator's hands and expanded in a new creative direction. Like, I love covers of songs. What I'm hearing is that you enjoy fan fiction. Oh, God, I didn't mean that. You become everything you hate, Zane. (laughs) I feel unclean. Uh, yep. Yep, Fifty Shades of Garfield. But anyway, (laughs) uh, yeah, you, you like it when it's taken away from the the author Um, in what manner i like i like it when there are you know creative switches like taking things in a direction that the original artist either wouldn't have imagined or was unwilling to do with a character they grew to love so much yeah this is like when you know the hot young ceo comes in and tries to shake things up like sometimes it's you know new and exciting and sometimes it just everything crashes yeah luckily i'm culturally illiterate enough that i only am told about the really successful ones yep and that that's always a weird feeling, isn't it? <laughs> like, are these things that like you read every book that's been written by you know a self-made man, and he's like, these are the things you got to do to be successful. And your your first instinct is, oh, he wrote the book, he became successful, he must be right. And then you think about it for a second more, and it's like, what if he just is the one who happened to succeed, and it has nothing to do with his right. business practices, <laughs> which. I don't know where I come down on that. It's like a case-by-case basis sort of thing. But it's it's weird to think about. Right. <laughs> <sighs> Zane, do we have anything else? Uh, I do not have anything else. Uh, I was going to do dark segment, but it's kind of already been done by, for us ahead of time. <laughs> yes. By, by the internet. 
And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's all we got to say about Garfield for the rest of our lives. Uh, yeah. I know, don't really uh, care for it, the character that much. Was, the was show, show was okay. Yeah. It wasn't terrible. I don't really want to watch it more. I do yeah, want to was... read more of those Garfield minus Garfield strips. <laughs> it was better than Sheep in the Big City. Hey, we we made any, it. Any, any explosion you can walk away from. <laughs> you and me, just hang in there, kitty. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's just go eat a lasagna and go to bed and think that it'll be better tomorrow. So, uh, yeah. Zane, so, what are we doing next time? I'll answer that. Why don't you tell me? Why don't I tell you what's doing next time? <laughs> Why don't I tell you what's, what 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 would what would doing next time? It sounded like I was remixing it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, what we are going to do next time is uh, we are going to watch Mega Man, the Super Fighting Robot, which I don't think is a subtitle, although it should be. <laughs> and uh, this might be the one of the least objective shows that I'm ever going to have watched <laughs> because I'm like the biggest fan of maybe like I'm not the biggest fan of it, but like. The Mega Man continuity and story is something that I'm absolutely in love with, yeah. and it's among my favorite games ever. I love all the music that gets remixed for it. The music, oh my god, I can't believe I didn't just mention the music at the top. It's the best music ever. <laughs> at the top and of then, this episode, like, instead of the intro, just say, like, guys, have you guys heard do an of Proto-Men? <laughs> Let me tell you about the music of our next show Let in this next. show's intro. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. No, but like, I'm such a huge mega nerd about Mega Man. <laughs> wow, that I, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan too. Um, yeah, I don't. There's no how, way we can go into it objective. I don't remember how well the show like holds up. I'm fairly certain it's bad. Me too. Um, um, but you know what? We deserve to be taken down a peg in some of our favorite things. Like, I think one of the best things you can do for your, um, for your perspective is just to flag flagrantly approach the things that you love and enjoy and find flaws in them. Oh, which I is think... sort of a Garfield-esque spin <laughs> on, you know, enjoying your own life. I think there's also a really bad live-action fan version of Mega Man. There is. It is not—it's not bad considering it's fan-made, but it is bad. Okay. Yes. I, I watched most of it. Some of it's good. <laughs> The, the the guy who plays Wily is great. <laughs> anyway, we are blowing our load a little early, so I'm going to... Uh, you can do it. I don't know if I can. Shove that load back up in there. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Uh, uh, if you are happen to be a singleton uh, for, the, for the Valentine's spirit, just go ahead and get yourself a cat, but try, please try not to to pay too much attention to them like you know love them fine but don't attribute your personality flaws into them because then you're gonna have to send them to the farm if you know what i mean and uh zane what are we doing after Mega Man? um so i thought it was time again for an anime um, an anime <laughs> and um i uh was thinking you know this this show broke the fourth wall and was silly but i was i was kind of hoping we could go even to the fifth random. wall. Yeah, let's go to the fifth wall. Let's go to the fifth wall. Crack that boy, that boy down. <laughs> so we're going to watch a show that you wanted me to watch for a while. Oh, really? Um, it's extremely random. Okay. Um, And I'm really looking forward to it. This would be Cromarty High School. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you even say about this? <laughs> I don't know. You showed me like one episode once, and I think I was tired. But I, uh, you know what? You know, if I was gonna watch it at some point, I might as well watch it for this. And I got the, a lot of time coming up. So Cromarty has been done to death by anime podcasts, and I don't care. Cause <laughs> yeah, Dave and Joel do a really good one on Fast Karate for the Gentlemen. Uh, they do a really good episode about Cromarty. I don't listen to a lot of the podcasts, so yeah, give it a shot. It is really good, um, but uh, luckily we'll get that nice palate cleanser of Super Fighting Robot, and then we can go into straight-on insanity. So, <laughs> Zane, thank you for talking about grumpy fat cats for however long. Um, yeah, hey, Jim I Davis has become to. the real grumpy fat cat. <laughs> yep, he's it's finally been beaten out of him by two time, podcasters. Time to take time him down a peg. Yeah, he's had it too good for too long. I'm going to take him down to Winnipeg. Take him down to the farm. Yeah. That'd be so weird. 
if John went to the farm and was confronted by all the pets that he's killed over the years? You did this. <laughs> You're the reason I'm so scared. And then there's that one character that's a, a chicken still in the egg, and it's, like, muffled, like, <laughs> Oh, John, hello there. Excuse me, I was absorbed in thought. <laughs> all right, everyone. Uh, if you didn't realize it, that was the intro. Bow.